Hello, hello. This is Kathy Cola's Audiobooks, and today we have episode 13 of Nags Head Murder by Joe C. Ellis. Angie asks Weston Wolf to help the girls get back to Monkey Island. Mimi and Angie get some more history on the cranes from Isaac. Also, check out my interview with Josie Ellis, the author of Nags Head Murder, to get a behind-the-scenes look at the story behind the story. Here we go. New Plans Once Goldbluff and Charlotte exited through the back door toward the beach, Angie turned to Mimi and said, We need to make new plans. Okay. Let's head up to the bedroom. Lead the way. Angie walked briskly into the back hallway. Arnold stood staring out the back door. He's keeping his eye on Charlotte. Take her on a long walk, Gold Bluff. She angled to the right and headed for the front hall. Several of the guardians stood around the foyer checking out the old photographs. She walked by them and double-timed it up the steps, down the hallway, and into the room. Mimi shut the door. Okay, tell me what happened. Angie paced around the bed and back. We need to make new plans. You said that already. For what? A return to Monkey Island. This time, I don't want to paddle out there on a kayak. Mimi adjusted her glasses. So, you know the exact location of the whiskey bottle? Yes, I do. How did you find out? Angie recounted the discovery of the VR headset and encounter with Charlotte's AI friend. Mimi screwed up her face. Do you mean to tell me they can create digital people who can become your best buddy? You gotta be kidding me. Angie bobbed her head. It's called artificial intelligence. My voice must have sounded similar to Charlotte's. The AI didn't question my identity. Maybe it's not programmed for voice recognition. Do they seem like real people? Yes, they have a connection to the Internet. When a user creates one of them, they begin storing and building information that would relate to their interaction with the user. They remember every conversation. They access information from the web to grow their knowledge and improve their communication. With time, they deepen their relationship and trust with their creator. Now that's scary. It's the world we're living in. What if they take over one day? Angie shrugged. Maybe they already have. AI is everywhere. Mimi waved a hand in front of her face. I don't even want to think about it. Anyway, what's our next step? Angie scratched her chin. I'm going to give Weston Wolf a call. Hopefully he can set us up with a boat. Then what? Then we get in the boat, go to the island, and find the bottle. Then we solve the case and contact the authorities. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Angie nodded her brow. Believe me, it won't be that easy. Why not? It all depends on what's in the bottle. True. Our biggest problem is Arnold. Right. If he figures out what you did and how you did it, he'll know what you know and try to do something about it. Angie nodded. 
I'm guessing Olivia Crane deposited some incriminating information into the bottle. Perhaps it was a power move, a way to keep her husband in check. It could have been. Did you notice the painting of Chandler Crane in the great room? I did. He held that skull of doom like he was the guardian. Now she is. Maybe that was the trade-off. And Arnold's torn between two grandparents, Mimi reasoned. Grandpa's pet, but Grandma's heir apparent. Angie wobbled her head. I hope we're at least hitting the board with some of these conjecture darts. Yeah, and not some stray cat outside the window. You better give Wolf a call if we're going to get to Monkey Island before nightfall. Angie slid her phone out of her pants pocket, activated the screen, and brought up her contact list. After scrolling down the list, she tapped Wolf's call button. The phone rang four times. Hey, Angie, what's up? Hi, Wes. I've got a big favor to ask. Sure. You know I'll lend a hand if I can. I need a boat. What? You heard me. What kind of boat? Something small with a motor. Why? We're heading back out to Monkey Island. A long silence followed. Finally, Wolf said, On Halloween night, you're heading out to that abandoned hunting club? You must be desperate for a spooky good time. Fun has nothing to do with it. I found a clue to the cold case we're working on. We need to check it out. I figured as much. I've got a neighbor who owns a little boat. It's not much more than a rowboat with a small outboard on it. He uses it to fish on the sound. Oh, that's perfect. Can you haul it up to Whalehead Club for us and drop it off under the big tree next to the launch ramp? That's a big ask. How many times have I gone out of my way for you? Okay, okay, I owe you. I'll give Wally a call. We need to get out there as soon as possible. Sit tight. I'll get back to you in ten minutes. Thanks, Wes. I really appreciate it. Bye. Angie ended the call, took in a relieved breath, and blew it out. He's on it. Good. Mimi peered out the window to the driveway. Isaac just went up the steps to his garage apartment. Let's go talk to him. What about? Mr. and Mrs. Crane. I want to know more about what went on between them. When are we going to head up to Monkey Island? As soon as we hear back from Wes. Mimi pointed at her boat neck top. Is that what you're going to wear? Angie glanced down at her bright orange shirt and capri pants. No. I brought jeans and a long sleeve t-shirt. My hoodie's in the car. We better change now so we don't have to come back up here. Good idea. And there's something else I want to take with me. What's that? Angie walked to the bed, opened her suitcase, and searched under the clothing. This. She held up her Colt pistol. Mimi widened her eyes. Is that real? Does Count Dracula suck? I know he can be a pain in the neck. So can this. After changing, Angie stuffed the thirty-eight Special into her jeans pocket. Then they exited the room, hurried along the hallway, down the steps, and into the foyer. The tall, raven-haired woman and Honeypot Chen turned from viewing a photograph and eyed them as they headed for the door. Mimi waved. Just getting some fresh air. 
We'll be back. Neither guardian responded, probably happy to see us go, Angie muttered. Before heading up the steps to Isaac's apartment, Angie checked the surroundings. No one out here checking on us as far as I can see. Let's hope it stays that way. They bounded up the steps and Mimi knocked on the door. Isaac cracked it open slightly, and when he saw them, he opened it halfway. What do you two want? I've got a couple of questions about the cranes, Angie said. He nodded, stepped to the side, and waved them in. His garage apartment presented a simple layout, a kitchen with old appliances and a small round table surrounded by four wooden chairs. The kitchen transitioned into a modest living room with a well-worn couch and recliner, accompanied by a couple side tables with glass lamps. Angie guessed the one door next to the couch led to his bedroom and bathroom. A couple windows let in just enough light to tint the place with tones of tans and faded greens. Have a seat, Isaac said. Can I get you something to drink? No, we won't take much of your time. Angie followed Mimi to the couch and sat down next to her. The place had the fresh smell of pine cleaner. Isaac plopped down in the recliner and leaned on his knees. Well, have you two made any progress since we last talked? Yes, big-time progress. Angie reviewed the discovery of the whereabouts of the whiskey bottle and her worries about Arnold's suspicions. How dangerous is Arnold? Isaac's voice rumbled low and slow. I think he's a killer. Do you think he drugged Gavin Goldbluff? Mimi asked. He bobbed his head. He's the one. At Olivia Crane's orders, Angie said. Maybe, but I doubt it. Angie leaned forward. Who's then? Arnold is Chandler Crane's puppet. What happened between Olivia and Chandler? Mimi asked. They were both obsessed with the Skull of Doom, but Chandler claimed to be its guardian. For years, they attended the conferences around the world. To me, it seemed like a bunch of hogwash. At first, I thought their delusions were harmless, like the crazies on the History Channel who believe in ancient aliens. As time passed, they discovered more and more background information about the Atlantean skulls. I minded my own business. He fluttered his fingers. Dabbling in the occult gives me the Jim Jams. People who become obsessed with the supernatural go off the deep end. Well, I know she's obsessed, Angie said. At some point, she gained enough leverage to usurp control from him. She became the guardian of the Skull of Doom. I remember the night it happened. About ten years ago, they had a hellacious argument. He struck her and she called the cops. Must have been the last straw because he moved out a week later. He visits a couple times a year when the family gathers, but Mrs. Crank keeps him at a distance. Mimi said, she must have grown tired of the abuse and decided it was time to blackmail him. Isaac nodded. Whatever's in the bottom of that whiskey bottle, put her in the driver's seat. Angie's cell phone rang the instrumental intro to Alan Parsons' project, Eye in the Sky. Hello? Hey, Angel. Wally gave the A-OK on the boat. I'll be leaving in 15 minutes. Great. We're leaving now. We'll meet you at the launch ramp.
See you then. Angie ended the call. Mimi checked her watch. It's almost ten after five. It'll take an hour to get to the Whalehead Club. By the time we get to the island, it'll be pitch black. Do you have a flashlight in your car? A small one. Isaac stood. I've got a good one in my bedroom. He strode across the living room and through the door to the left of the couch. A minute later, he came out with one of those large, square-bodied flashlights with a handle on top. It's fully charged. Should last four or five hours. Angie and Mimi stood and faced him. Mimi said, Can't do without a good light on Halloween night. He extended the flashlight. Well then, here you go. Just in case you run into a monster in the dark. Return to Monkey Island. Heading north along Route 12, Angie didn't notice much Halloween activity until they reached the little town of Duck. She checked her watch, 6.02. The ghosts and goblins have been turned loose. And it's getting harder to see them. Don't worry, I've got good night vision. I wonder if they're missing us back at the crane house. Angie chuckled. I'm sure Arnold noticed. Hopefully he hasn't cornered Charlotte yet. Once we get to the island, it won't take long to retrieve the bottle and hightail it out of there. That's the plan, anyway. Mimi reached for the dashboard. Watch out! Angie slammed on the brakes as the Grim Reaper stepped in front of the car. Wearing a black hooded robe and skeleton mask, a tall kid stumbled to a stop. He faced them and shook his scythe at the windshield. You're on my list. I'll see you soon. He laughed and traipsed across the street. Smart aleck idiot, Angie snarled. Mimi sat back in her seat. The Grim Reaper almost got himself killed. Yeah, teenagers think they're immortal. True, that's a harsh lesson we all learn. No one gets out of this world alive. Angie let off the brake and eased on the gas. Thanks for the reminder. She drove even slower the rest of the way through Duck. With the town behind them, Route 12 wound its way along the thin strip of land between the Currituck Sound and the Atlantic Ocean. Fading twilight drained the colors from the tall bushes and live oaks that lined each side of the road. She felt like she was driving through a hedge maze in a strange dream. Ten miles later, they entered the town of Kerala, its streetlights offering intermittent glowing auras against the darkening sky. By the time they reached the Whalehead Club, night had descended. The once prestigious hunting club sat on the edge of the Currituck Sound, its five tall chimneys black against the starlit dome. Angie recalled its history. During its heyday in the Roaring Twenties, its owners hosted a multitude of celebrities and industry moguls who made their pilgrimage to the Outer Banks in the fall to fish and hunt waterfowl. As the decades went by, the ownership of the building passed into different hands. The structure fell into disrepair. When she was a kid in the late 90s, its rundown state resembled a haunted mansion. However, Currituck County officials realized the historical significance of the property, purchased it, and began renovations at the turn of the century. Now it had become the main attraction in town, 
with thousands of people taking tours of the Art Nouveau-style building every year. The park surrounding the Whalehead Club offered visitors a picnic area, docks for their small boats, and a launch ramp. Angie drove past the looming structure with its steep gabled roof and many dormers to the parking spaces near a tall loblolly pine. As slow as I drove through the town of Duck, Wes can't be too far behind us. The small lot was empty, and she pulled in next to the pine. No one's hanging out here this late in the day. Angie cut the engine and got out of the Civic. Mimi stepped out of the car and closed the door, clicked on the flashlight, and waved it back and forth across the sound shoreline. Everybody must be trick-or-treating in the Corolla neighborhoods. Angie leaned against the back of the car. I wish I was home handing out candy. Come on now, you get to wander through the rooms of a decrepit, creaky, abandoned hunting club. You forgot to mention haunted. That too. What more could you ask for on a dark Halloween night? Angie noticed headlights at the entrance of the park a couple hundred yards away. That must be Wes. Let's hope so. I can see a trailer, but that's not his car. Uh-oh. An old Dodge Caravan rumbled in their direction, under the streetlights along the road in front of the Whalehead Club. The driver made a semicircle in front of the parking area and backed the trailer toward the boat ramp. Angie distinguished the shape of a small boat on the trailer. That's gotta be Wes. It must be his friend's car. The caravan stopped a few feet before the back wheels of the trailer touched the water. Weston Wolf got out of the caravan and waved. I'm just here for the booze. Not funny, Angie said. Boo, Mimi jeered. Now that I'm a dad, I can tell those kinds of jokes. I'll excuse the joke out of appreciation for your help. Angie walked to him and gave him a quick hug. This means a lot, Wes. Don't be too thankful. Wolf motioned toward the boat. I'm not sure how dependable that motor is. Wally said if it conks out, just give it a good kick. Angie shook her head. Wonderful. I did throw in a couple oars into the bottom, just in case. I have a feeling this is going to be a long night, Angie said. Wes spread his hands. I wish I could come along, but Wally needs his van back before nine. You've done enough, Angie eyed the boat. We'll manage. Mimi rubbed her hands together. It'll be an adventure. Wolf said, sounds like you've got a good lead. Angie shrugged. It's a note at the bottom of a whiskey bottle. Wolf tilted his head. I've been stuck there during an investigation. Angie nodded her brow. Stuck finding a lead? No, Wolf laughed. At the bottom of a whiskey bottle. Angie grinned. Come on, let's get this boat in the water. I'd like to get back before the witching hour. Wolf walked to the trailer. Like I told you, it's just a rowboat with a small outboard. Angie stepped up next to him. It'll do. There's a two-gallon gas can next to your gas tank. Should be plenty to get out to Monkey Island and back. Wolf removed the front strap. Even with the motor, the boat only weighs about 150 pounds. You two should have no problem lugging it onto shore once you get to the island. Mimi formed a fist and curled her arm. These biceps don't grow on trees. Yeah, Angie snickered. 
were a couple of roller derby queens. She walked around the front of the caravan to the other side of the trailer. I'll get this side. I'm with ya, Mimi followed her. Wolf unhitched the second strap. Okay, let's slide her off. Angie and Mimi clamped their hands on the edge of the aluminum boat, lifted and slid it toward the water. It moved somewhat easily. Once the boat was halfway off the trailer, they lowered the back end into the water. Then they picked up the front end and shoved it farther down the ramp, its bottom rasping against the concrete. Once three-quarters of the boat floated in the water, Wes held the front end steady against the ramp. Hop in, he ordered. I'll set you off. Angie stepped over the side and made her way to the back of the boat. After Mimi climbed in, Wolf lifted the front end and gave the boat a good shove. It drifted about 15 feet into the sound despite the small waves slapping against its side. Do you know how to get the motor started? Wolf called out. Angie lowered herself onto the back bench next to the motor. Give me a refresher course. Sure thing. Release the lock on the hinge and lower the motor into the water. Angie glanced at Mimi. Shine the light this way? Mimi, sitting on the middle bench, held the light above her head and directed the ray at the motor. Angie found the knob that released the lock on the hinge, lowered the motor, and locked it in place. Okay, did that. There should be a gas tank near your feet. Yeah, I see it. There's a line that runs to the motor with a prime bulb on it. Squeeze the prime bulb a couple times. Found it. She squeezed the black plastic bulb twice. Now what? Check the handle coming out of the motor. Make sure the grip is in neutral. Angie noticed the arrow positioned on the red neutral marking. It's good. Should be a choke on the left. Slide it over and push the choke button a couple times. She found the choke lever, slid it over, and pressed the little bulb three times. Done. All right, all right, all right. Pull the cord to start the motor. Once it warms up, slide off the choke. Turn the grip to the right to go forward and left to go backward. There's a red button on the back of the motor to cut the engine. I see it. Okay, let's hope it starts. After about five pulls, the motor struggled to life. Angie waited about a minute as it chugged unevenly until it found a steadier rhythm before sliding off the choke. I think we're set, she hollered over the uneven rumble. Great. Once you get back, tug the boat off to the side in the grass. I'll pick it up in the morning. Will do, Mimi yelled. Happy sailing, Wolf called. Angie waved, pulled the motor arm toward her, and turned the grip throttle to circle the boat away from the shore. Get your phone out and look up Monkey Island on Google Maps. I'm on it. Mimi funneled her hand into her jacket and pulled out her cell phone. Head northwest for now. No kidding. Angie aimed the prow toward the open water. We're on our way. Mimi's face glowed in the phone's light. Monkey Island is almost two miles from here. Angie glanced to her right as the dark shoreline slowly diminished. Fifteen minutes and we'll be there. This seems too easy. She turned the throttle grip, giving the engine more gas. Let's try to make it in ten. With the increased speed, the boat jolted against the waves. This is gonna be a rough ride, Mimi hollered. 
I hope we don't get seasick. Angie eased off the gas. Yeah, we're battling against incoming choppers. The slower speed helped to ease the bouncing. Patience, we'll get there in plenty of time. Ten minutes later, the motor conked out. Crap! Angie pulled the starter cord about ten times. It's dead. Give it a kick. Angie raised her foot and kicked the motor. She tried pulling the starter cord again several times. No luck. She kicked it again and pulled the cord a few more times. The motor sputtered but didn't start. What are we going to do? The waves are drifting us out toward the middle of the sound. Mimi checked her phone. We're less than a half a mile from the island. We can row it in from here. Well, that won't be easy. We'll be rowing against the wind. Would you rather swim? No. Angie let out a deep sigh. Give me an oar. Mimi lifted a wooden oar from the bottom of the boat and handed it to Angie. I'll take the left side. You take the right. Once they reoriented the boat toward the island, they paddled in unison, striving to maintain the right direction. When they got to within 300 yards, Angie could make out the silhouette of a scraggly hump of land on the surface of the water. Not far now, Mimi said. Good, my arms feel like pulled taffy. Listen, do you hear that? They both stopped rowing and Angie tilted her head. Sounds like a motor. Look! Mimi pointed toward the shoreline. Angie squinted and made out the shape of a small vessel about a hundred yards to the east. For some reason, they turned off their boat lights. And they're headed for Monkey Island. But I know who it is. Arnold Crane? Angie nodded. What do we do now? Keep rowing. And there you have it. Don't forget, on Wednesday, we have episode 14 of Nags Head Murder by Joe C. Ellis. And check out my interview with Joe. You can find that in the same place that you listen to this podcast. To check out more of my work, go to my website at kathycolas.com. That's C-A-T-H-I-C-O-L-A-S dot com. If you're an author looking to turn your book into an audiobook, email me at kathycolis at gmail.com. Let's talk. And if you like the podcast, please leave a review or share it on social media.